0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Association NBA podcast where we are wrapping up the 2019 2020 season preview. My name is Sam Ruth here. I am joined, as always, by Tommy Wood. And, Tommy, today we are going to be heading to the Southwest. We're hitting up the Southwest division. Uh, how you feeling? You ready?
1: I am feeling great, man. I am ready to wrap this up and ready to get into real basketball. You know, the NBA's off season really isn't that long. You know, June to October is not that long of a wait, but it sure feels long, man. When you're going through the doldrums of summer with nothing but baseball to, to get you through the evening, uh, you really miss those, you know, those winter nights when you can just get real basketball every single day.
0: I'm so excited for it to just be the norm when there's like 10 games on and I know there's going to be some good highlights at least and some good like box scores to check out be like oh wow Lou Will 25 tonight damn or, or whatever yeah. the rookie you didn't expect like you know there, there's about to be something to look at and care about every night until June and then I'll stop caring about anything <laughs> no that's not true but uh the The eve of, it, by the way, we were recording this on, on the night when the season will begin, so we are mere hours away from tip-off of the NBA season, but that means that yesterday was the deadline for extensions on, a, a, I believe, rookie rookie deals, I guess is how I should phrase it. I don't know exactly what kind of contracts were in that deadline, but there were a lot of extensions that ended up coming through. Um, Buddy Heald goes four years, I believe, if I have that right. Yeah. Yep. DeMontis Sabonis extends as also well. Four years. yeah. Four years, 77. Uh, the biggest one, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, yeah. Very close that was, to a That match. was
1: one that I did not expect to get done. I uh, really thought that the Celtics were going to let him hit restricted free agency.
0: Everything in Danny Ainge's, you know, career in the front office would lead one to believe that they would let Jalen Brown hit restricted, make someone else offer it before they would match it, but... I think it's really Danny doubling down, telling the entire roster, look, you're our guys. Like, for once, I'm not Trader Danny. I want to keep you, you know? Because if they're going to give Jalen that, there is no doubt in my mind they're going to give it to Tatum as well. So it's really a yep. message to both they of them. They have to now. And it's a message and to Canva. And they
1: they set the a baseline, too. I mean, now they have to give uh Tatum, max. Tatum at least that, you think? Yeah, yeah I mean, he was probably going to get the max... Yeah. anyway but uh now i mean you can't go below what jalen brown got
0: so it, it's something that that obviously ainge doesn't do lately the only other person would, would is rondo in the last literal decade that they've rookie extended without going to restricted free agency first um i was really surprised and at first i wasn't sure if i liked it because it's a lot of money it's so much more than marcus smart got and marcus smart himself is such a valuable player but I think he has a lot more value than he did when he signed that contract. I mean, they couldn't get anybody to offer him when he was restricted. They ended up offering him that. They were waiting to have to match something, and it never came. So I don't think that would have been the case for Jalen, especially with next year's free agency class. They saw that. They, I guess my view of it, I'm obviously not in the Celtics front office, but my view of it is when you know that kind of offer is going to come anyway and you believe in the player to that degree, it's better to show him that belief up front then make him feel like he has to earn it and maybe have some, some bitterness on the other side. So clearly they've seen something in him. And uh, to be honest, it just kind of excites me that, that he's a player that this stingy front office feels is worthy of that kind of extension.
1: Yeah. And I, I think he is worthy of it. Um, He's shown, you you know, it hasn't always been there um, just because he's had such a varying role within their offense. Uh, You know, he's, played with Kyrie Irving, played with Gordon Hayward. He started, he's come off the bench. Um, But I think what he's shown through all of that, um, really a lot of inconsistency um, just in terms of his role on the team. But what he's shown is that he works hard, that he's a good character guy, he plays really good defense, and he plays his ass off. And he's also shown that when given the opportunity, he can be the guy who handles the ball for you almost every possession, who is... uh, you know, a number one go-to score. I mean, you just look at what he was able to do in the twenty eighteen playoffs mm-hmm. as a second-year player with uh, with no Kyrie Irving. His uh, you know his high usage and high scoring was it was a pretty tantalizing look at what Jalen Brown can be given a lot of opportunity. I don't know if he'll ever get that much opportunity on the Celtics team as they're constructed with Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker on the roster. But that's part of, uh, you know, what the Celtics are trying to do. When you can have a guy like Jalen Brown be a, you know, fourth option some nights and a first option on other nights, that's a great luxury to have.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's just really exciting to have that that kind of depth. So, um, hopefully, a, a prudent move certainly looks good tonight. We'll see at the end of the season if we're saying the same thing. Any notes on the other one? Sabonis healed. We already talked about Siakam last podcast. Did I miss any others? Am I not mentioning Uh DeJounte
1: else? Murray got an extension. Uh, Torian Prince got an Torian extension. Prince, that's Only right. two years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, the Sabonis one is interesting because uh, it comes right on the heels of, of the reports that Indiana is trying to trade him. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think this extension makes uh, a trade any less likely. Yeah. Um, I think now it just maybe it leaves the door open to maybe they trade Miles Turner now. And I'm not sure. that's a, that's a really hard decision to make. We talked you know in detail in the Central Division podcast about their different strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I think I think that was a smart decision by them, and I think they got him at a pretty reasonable number for for how good he's been.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Sabonis is an incredibly valuable piece. Uh, the skill set he brings is not one that is particularly common in the NBA these days, but when someone plays the way he plays, they can be valuable, even though the game has gone away from big men with the ball in their hands. Somebody like him, uh, you know, he's nowhere near Jokic, but kind of gives you value in the same way that somebody like Jokic does, where you know good things are going to happen when the ball is in his hands. So, um, And then the last one, and I'll just say uh, it's a bit surprising, Buddy Heald ended up signing as well, because... It seemed the reports were that he and the Kings were kind of far apart. But, I mean, it's hard to say that this isn't a good signing as well because he's become an an elite shooter and and really a great option for that team that's trying to finally land on a core and grow it. So I I feel good about it.
1: Yeah, I do too. I I think all that – I think that's a lot of stunting and negotiating what what's going on, you know, because that's just – that's how these things work when, you know – Sacramento wants to keep buddy healed at the lowest price possible. And buddy Heal wants to make as much money as possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's when you have those two competing interests sometimes, you know, I won't, I, I don't even want to use the word acrimonious because, um, I'm sure the relationship between buddy healed and the, uh, and his agent and the Kings front office is probably not any different than it was, you know, a few months a ago, ago yeah. but this is just, this is just business.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, And with that, we will move on to further business, and that business is the Southwest Division. Um, As we've done with all the others, we'll start at the top. Last year, the top was the Houston Rockets, who went 53-29, and ended up being ousted by the shorthanded Warriors. I don't know if shorthanded is the right word. They were still loaded, just with a Durant, but either way. um, That being said, they're still coached by Mike D'Antoni, and the front office remains helmed by Daryl Morey despite whatever china wishes um i don't know if this podcast just got banned in china because i said that but if so we'll we'll take the blow um
1: the sad thing is they probably aren't listening
0: <laughs> somebody in china has probably been tasked with listening <laughs> to a certain tiny sect of nba podcasts. we are on some list yeah yeah we are, the, we are the Tulsi Gabbard of NBA podcast, uh, But instead of Russia, we're a Chinese asset. Yeah. Sorry. I just went to a weird place with that one. The Rockets are led by James Harden, of course. <laughs> the second fiddle, though, this year is being played by Russell Westbrook. Um, I usually go through the rest of the roster, but I want to stop right there and ask you a question on the spot. Before ever yeah. seeing a game of the Harden-Westbrook Rockets, would you rather have... Chris Harden, oh, James Harden and Chris Paul, <laughs> or James Harden and Russell Westbrook?
1: I, I would rather have Harden and Westbrook. Me too. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, maybe the encore fit is a little bit less clean. But yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I think Westbrook is straight up better yep, than Chris Paul. He is. That's, that's the number one reason why I'd rather have that pairing. Um, number two, he brings just a different. Dynamic to the offense that they have not had uh, in the Harden era, and number three, it's pretty obvious that Harden and Westbrook like each other as people Love and em. as teammates yep. a lot more than Harden and Paul did.
0: All, all, all correct. You are correct, sir. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I. This is gonna work, man. I'm telling you, it's it's gonna be beautiful. Westbrook does bring that element of unknown, which, I mean, it it. it kind of wouldn't matter because the Rockets already can score so many points, even though everybody knows exactly what they're going to do. But it's that much more dangerous when every time Westbrook's coming up the floor, if he has the ball or if he could potentially get the ball, it's like, ah, oh, geez, now we don't know what what Westbrook's going to do. Is he just going to take it to the hole? Is he going to pull up? Is he going to find the yeah. open man? Because like, he's, he's a capable passer. You don't average 10-plus assists a season by accident. He's also an incredibly dangerous player in transition as well as just one-on-one. So it's such an incredible element. To be added to this team, um, and I'm so excited. Yeah, he's unpredictable,
1: yeah. Too, and and the Rockets are maybe the most predictable offense in the NBA, and Chris Chris Paul uh, is a very predictable player. Uh, like what Westbrook is the exact opposite of Chris Paul in a lot of ways uh, stylistically. So I think I think just that. Um, is going to be beneficial in the playoffs. And, yeah, as much as Westbrook has just shit the bed in the playoffs ever since KD left uh, the Thunder, you know, he's been the only shot creator. I mean, they've had Paul George, but Paul George has been uh, battling through injuries in in, in last year's playoffs. You know, he's been the primary shot creator um, on a team with very little spacing. Uh, So I think in this ecosystem – he can have a lot of impact a lot of positive impact in the regular season and in the playoffs
0: I agree. Um, there's always the question that gets thrown around like can he be contained? can he be stopped from making too many mistakes? Um, I mean I think everybody makes mistakes, which is a super <laughs> broad statement to make but I think I think the point I was looking for there is um. He'll keep making mistakes and taking shots he shouldn't take, but the good is going to outweigh the bad in a way that is is so great and keeps the ceiling for this team pretty high. Um, real quick, and then I'll ask you about that immediately. But just to just because I'm in the habit of doing this for every other team we've talked about, to blow through the rest of the roster, the guys who matter. Uh, Eric Gordon's still there. P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella holding down the center position, and then in terms of your bench depth, you've got Austin Rivers uh gerald green sticking around they got tabo Cephalosha. he's out for
1: the season though oh really uh, i had he, no idea with a uh, broken foot that sucks that really sucks because they actually need him
0: yeah gerald green was actually a pretty significant depth piece for them well i guess that's more yeah. minutes for tabo sefalosha yeah um ryan ben anderson McLemore.
1: is back on the rockets <laughs> yeah apparently that that surprised me too <laughs> yeah that and tyson chandler
0: did you know tyson chandler signed there I did, I forgot, or I didn't know to begin with. Um, Other guys they've given minutes in the past include Danwell House, who was pretty – I remember us actually talking about the fact that he got sent to the G League bet last year, being like, what the hell, because he played some solid minutes for them last year. Um, Yeah. Gary Clark, Isaiah Hartenstein, all these guys have seen the floor for the Rockets more than just a cup of coffee. Nene, um, and as you mentioned, Ben McElmore also on the roster as well. So – uh, certainly a bunch of names and a bunch of guys who've succeeded with the Rockets in the past more than just a bunch of names. But a lot of those guys are just like, Oh, I know that name. Like, Oh, that guy, there was a reason I knew him, but it wasn't necessarily because yeah. he's good at basketball. So they'll need to figure it out, but they're kind of in that position every year. And I bring all that up. Cause my question to you is, is this just going to be like every other rocket season where there's not enough quality depth to get them higher than it? As high as they've gone before, if not maybe a step lower, conference semifinals. Or do you think there's enough there to really bump this thing up?
1: You know, I'm I'm afraid that might be the case. Uh, I think the burden on Harden and Westbrook uh, to lift this team up in the playoffs is going to be incredibly heavy. Just because, um, I mean, that like I mean they're starting and closing five: Harden, Westbrook, uh, Gordon, Tucker, Capella. I mean they can beat. Any other five-man lineup in the league, uh, you know that that's that's a phenom- That might be one of the best five-man lineups in the league. The problem is, I mean, this depth is just pretty atrocious, and because of the way Tillman Fertitta has handled the Rockets' finances since he bought the team, I don't see them, you know, making any type of move in the off-season in season to to get better that would you know cost them anything. So I, I'm afraid they might be kind of set into this roster, and it's not pretty. I mean, Austin Rivers gave them really quality minutes last year. He was he was good for them. Um, you know, Daniel House and Gary Clark both gave him quality minutes. Uh, but these other you know other guys, Ben Mclemore has not really shown that he belongs in the league. Uh, Ryan Anderson has barely played in two seasons. Uh, Tavo Cephalosha is. Uh, entering his 14th year, you know, that's the other problem is a lot of these depth pieces are just really old. I mean, they're two backup centers, Nene and Tyson Chandler are entering their 18th and 19th years in the league. <laughs> um, it's a I mean, time. there is, yeah, uh, there are a lot of really old players who, you know, you can't uh, really count on them to, to stay healthy or to give you big minutes Uh, so yeah, I, I am very worried about their depth and it sucks because up top, they are as good as anyone else. And I think they're, like I said, I think that top five lineup, uh, it's a great on court fit. I think they're going to be devastating. Um, but I just don't know. And and again, like, you know, Mike D'Antoni always likes to play a really tight rotation, especially in the playoffs. So that might not matter. Um, and maybe Westbrook won't, you know, if Harden is having one of those games where he's just exhausted in the playoffs, like he's had in the past several seasons, maybe now Westbrook more so than Chris Paul can lift the team up. If Harden's having a game like that, you know, maybe Eric Gordon can do that. Like he's like he has in the past, but, uh, it's still asking a lot of those guys. So I, I am incredibly worried about that depth.
0: I have a question about when Harden's tired in the playoffs. Isn't everyone tired in the playoffs?
1: What makes yeah, Harden so special that...
0: that he's extra tired?
1: <laughs> you know that's that's a great point. The nothing. Nothing. Like Just checking. Maybe yeah, maybe it's just a bullshit excuse. And he just jokes sometimes.
0: I mean it, it, it sounds like a like a like a child. Like, hey, clean up your room. I'm tired. Oh, well, if you're tired, all right, you don't have to do it. Hey, James, James, go to the finals. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, okay, you don't have to then. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I I would love I, You think you think Steph wasn't tired? You know? Was LeBron yeah. tired when he came back from 3-1? <laughs> of course, he was exhausted. <coughs> And yeah, mid, I, uh, I'm oversimplifying, I'm sure, but
1: maybe not, though. Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, it is it is kind of interesting how that narrative has been pushed for James Harden.
0: For at least uh, three not, years now.
1: And not really. Yeah. Not for any other star player who has failed in, in the history of
0: the NBA. Not just. Yeah. Not just recently. I've never heard. I've never opened up a book and it was like. Oscar Robertson failed to make the finals with the Cincinnati Royals because he was tired. Like, you know? Jerry West yeah. lost to the Celtics several years in a row because he was tired. Ty- like, I, enough of this shit, Harden. Either you're good enough to win or you're not. Like, it's not just him. It's not just him. And, it, and it's also exactly the point we are making before. He's never had good depth. Literally never. No. It's always absolute scrubs on the end of the bench who they can't rely on, so it is a seven or eight man yeah. rotation and and that does lead to you being at the absolute end of your rope but uh still if you're you know a guy who has been cheated out of multiple mvps he should have won like go ahead and prove it man it shouldn't matter where you are when you are you should just be able to to show up and get it done with the kind of talent you have around you for most of the game which is what he has for most of the game because like you said they keep that tight leash so I don't know. I I I like the Rockets, and I I love how Maury has had the ability to really push this experiment and analytics to its limit in that, like, look, you take a bunch of threes and you win a bunch of games, see? Like, he was right. So yeah, in that way, I'd like to see it continue, and I'd like to see this clearly very good player, like, figure it out and win on the highest stage. But at this point, I'm skeptical if, if Harden... You know, if, if he's getting spooked or what, like, I don't want to come out here and sling hot takes like I'm fucking on Fox Sports or whatever, but <laughs> I don't know, like, Harden just disappears, and we don't, I don't want to go there, that's not what this podcast does, but I'm just saying that, so anything else on the Rockets?
1: Yeah, I mean, just another thing that kind of gives me pause about them, and, and maybe, this, maybe this won't matter, maybe this is completely ancillary to, you know, how good they are on the court, but... There's a lot of, there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes in Houston, yeah. and very little of it is good. And it goes back to the whole contract dispute they had with Mike D'Antoni mm-hmm. in the off season.
0: All of his assistant coaches, got canned.
1: all of Mike D'Antoni's assistant coaches, mm-hmm. uh, so integrating a completely new coaching staff. Uh, over the season, and it's not just D'Antoni not being familiar with those guys, it's the players yeah. not being familiar with those guys and having to build relationships from potentially from zero. Uh, then there's the whole China thing with uh, Tillman Fertitto wasting zero time to just kick <laughs> Daryl Morey under the bus. Throwing
0: Daryl straight under the after, bus, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: After that, after he made that tweet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I and, it, and when you look at the Rockets' financial situation and Tillman for Titta's financial situation, particularly, what happens if it takes a little while for Westbrook and Harden to integrate with each other and they start like ten and twelve or something like that? You know, they start the way they did last year when when they got off to a slow start. Yep. Do does Tillman for Titta come to Daryl Morey and say this isn't working? I need to save money, blow it up. Like, I mean, what, you know, does he fire Mike D'Antoni in the middle of the season? And I just, I feel like for the, like there's, if things start to go bad for Houston, they're going to go completely off the rails.
0: It's a totally legitimate question. Um, I think what allowed the Rockets to really see through things through to this point, see Daryl's vision through to this point was the patience of Leslie Alexander and the belief that yeah. that is the former Rockets owner in case our 10 listeners might not be familiar with who that is. Um And he just kind of I mean, sold, he, was, he sold the team, yeah. and like it was a clearly a good business decision, height of value, like go ahead. But yeah, Fertitta has a different set of priorities and yeah. win is up there, but also patience is not up there. Definitely making a profit is up there as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Les Alexander was one of the, best owners in the league. And I remember reading at the time of the sale that Tillman Fertitta was kind of unlike most other sports owners spent basically the majority of his personal wealth on this team. So, you know, obviously he's still generating wealth. You know, he's, the team is still making money. um, But, you know, the stakes, the financial stakes are higher for him than they are for other owners in the NBA. So it makes me wonder if he'd have, uh, a shorter leash on such an expensive team. And that's not even to mention, uh, I was listening to, uh, the, the dunked on podcast earlier today Mm -hmm. and, uh, they brought up that the Rockets could potentially lose $25 million in Chinese endorsements over this kerfluffle. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of money. And again, I worry that Uh, you know, that could influence their decision-making. I mean, their owner is just kind of a loose cannon, you know, even everything from, from, you know, if you have to drop all of your personal wealth to buy a sports team, that's a pretty loose cannon type of decision. The fact that he just wrote a book called shut up and listen, makes him (laughs) seem like a loose cannon. Like everything he's done, uh, like all of his behavior since he's bought the team suggests that he's really impulsive and rash and those, those types of people like rarely make, you know, smart and rational decisions. So it, I, I don't know that all, all of that worries me. I mean, just the fact that you could go in the span of a couple years to having, you know, maybe a top three owner to a bottom three owner in the NBA. I mean, I like, like I, I feel like in his short time in the league for has already done enough to establish himself on that uh you know james dolan dan gilbert level of just you know complete incompetent incompetence robert sarber i mean he's he's in that club for me
0: holy shit t-bone <laughs> that's all <laughs> tommy's signaling for a beer from his girl <laughs> uh- I mean, I can't say that yet, but I will say that it was a it was a big old red flag when last year the Rockets' deadline moves were not based around making the team better, but based around sneaking under the luxury tax. Yeah, it was immediately like, "Oh shit."
1: Yeah, when when <laughs> when they're as good as they are, yeah, you and know? they're
0: not making that yeah. one move to get that one guy to push them over the top. Then guess when that guy would have helped when Durant hurt his leg and the the Warriors were vulnerable. And the yeah, Rockets like, went ahead and blew that.
1: I, I mean, I I would love for them to find a way to get Andre Iguodala.
0: That'd be crazy. Because he almost I signed don't. there a few years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he'd be such a perfect fit on their second unit and potentially in their in some of their closing lineups, you know? But I don't think it's going to happen. They would only think, take him, him as a
0: buyout for, like, a vet minimum, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not going to be willing to, to, to do what's necessary, so... Yeah, as, as much as I am excited to see Harden and Westbrook on the court together, and as much as I think they're just going to absolutely kick ass, you know, it, and everything else about this team kind of worries me.
0: I totally understand. Um, we got to move on. We always spend a lot of time on the Rockets. We're, we're endlessly fascinated yeah. with this team, which I'm honestly okay with. Um, they're fascinating for a reason. But uh, <laughs> moving on to another one of our favorites. Man, we... I can't believe we didn't expect this podcast to be more than it was. We were like, "Oh, we do the Southwest. We saved the Southwest. We're moving on to the fucking Spurs. We love the Spurs." I wore a San Antonio Spurs shirt to bed last night. What beer did you get?
1: <laughs> I got Dew East New England style IPA from, from Boulder, Boulder beer? beer Company. Yeah,
0: Boulder. Yeah, Boulder Beer. Beers sadly, going out of- yeah, I was to, to say.
1: go on a sad tangent. Yeah, they're going out of circulation. Yeah, just kind of a sad indication of the micro brew bubble bursting, but the, you know, it sucks for Boulder beer because they've, they've been around since 79. They were the first the in Colorado. Original
0: Colorado craft brewer. So, it's cool that yeah, they it's, will it's still exist. It's, you know, yeah. if, if you can either pivot to remain or you can cease to exist, pivot to remain. But yeah, it sucks. I mean, we get yeah. some Boulder beer out here, mainly like my mom loves shake chocolate Porter. So I'm bummed that she won't be able to get that anymore. But, uh, yeah, life goes on. Um, all right, the San Antonio Spurs came in second in the division last year. They went 48-34. and 34. Uh, They lost in the playoffs to the Nuggets, but not, but not before they took them to seven games. Still, of course, coached by Greg Popovich, and the front office is helmed by R.C. Buford. Uh, pretty similar-looking roster to last year. Shockingly so, although I guess not that shocking because the Spurs' success is built on continuity in some ways. So you've got LaMarcus Aldrich and DeMar DeRozan as your centerpieces. Uh, one big change from last year is DeJounte Murray is now back. And uh, as we mentioned, got that extension. Very exciting to have him back on the court and kind of changes the perception for the Spurs a little bit. Um, Patty Mills still around. Uh, and then all kinds of pieces. Rudy Gay still on the team, another year older. Hopefully another year wiser. Sorry, that's like a deep cut Wayne's World quote. Um, Derek White coming off of an impressive season. We'll see if he can build on that. Certainly he's earned some minutes. Jakob Pertle is probably, um, if not starting next to LaMarcus Aldridge, then getting some heavy minutes as that backup uh, big. And then all kinds of interesting depth pieces. Um, especially for me, Trey Lyles. I think they could probably do a lot with him that some other teams haven't been able to figure out or other team hadn't been able to figure it out. Other team being uh, the Nuggets Denver and Utah. And yeah. Utah, yeah. yeah. Um And Bellinelli's still on the team. Bryn Forbes, yeah. uh, Damari Carroll. So, yeah, I, I did my thing where I went through the whole roster, but now I'll hand it over to you. What do you think about the Spurs?
1: You know, I think – I think they're going to be really good again. You too. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think they could potentially even be better than last year in quality, if not in raw win total. Um, But yeah, I mean, they're bringing back almost the exact same team, except they're adding DeJounte Murray, who is an all defense guard as a second year player. He is one of the best defensive guards in the league, and he has the ability with his size and length and athleticism slide up and guard bigger positions. Um, You know, their spacing is still going to be an issue. Their archaic offense, uh, I think may still be an issue. Um, But at, at the same time last year, they took the fewest threes in the league and shot the most mid rangers in the league. And they still had the seventh best offense in the NBA. Um, You know, I think DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are, are good enough offensively to, to carry them at least to like mediocrity in the regular season. Um, you know, I still don't know if I would pick them to win a playoff series, but I think just with the talent that they have and the fact that they're the Spurs, I, there's no way I see this team missing the playoffs, you know, and even like, you know, I just looking at the, uh, uh, Vegas, uh, win total over unders for, you know, the Spurs are only at 46 and a half this year, which I think is just absurdly low. Yeah. I think
0: you need to win about Forty-eight to make the the Western yeah. Conference playoffs, and I don't agree with you that this this appears to me to be a Western Conference playoffs team. So I'd certainly hammer that over as well. Um, that's crazy that the offense was was that good, and yeah, it's it's a really interesting. Uh, just kind of wrinkle in the the history of the Spurs through the 21st century, how they went from like that super pass happy, like we're going to find the best play always to like, we're going to find the inefficiency with these two players that are the centerpiece of the team because they're very good in the mid range and we're not going to force them not to do that. Um, Yeah. It's something I was thinking about today, just kind of like looking over the roster and taking some notes for the podcast, just LaMarcus Aldridge going from wanting to leave to just be in, I mean, seemingly super happy and a great player, yeah,
1: like, like the new Tim Duncan. He is. Everyone thought it was going to be Kawhi, but it's, you know, he's been he's a company man now. It seems
0: he has become what they wanted him to be when he signed. It just took a little longer, you know. Yeah, um, and he's really had a couple great seasons, and and I think he, there's no reason to expect him to not have another to to make that an overly complicated sentence. So I'm excited yeah. for for what they can do. I'm excited to watch them play. Um and I I agree they they should be in the mix for the playoffs and I to spoil what we'll talk about later, I had them as as the 8 seed, so barely making it, but making it. Um so above some of those other contenders that don't really have the experience yet, um the Spurs yeah. certainly do.
1: I I have them higher than that. Um I do think, you know, I said we said that they're pretty much intact. The one real loss they suffered was uh, when they traded Davis Bertans to mm-hmm. Washington. I think he might actually be a bigger loss than people are thinking. He's really like their only uh, big shooter, yep. and he was really key in a lot of their. Uh, you know, they almost had two different teams last year. The way they would play really slow, uh, take a lot of mid rangers play in the half-court with their starters. And then their bench would pick up the pace and shoot more threes. Uh, And Davis Bertans was a big part of that. He's an excellent shooter. And so now, you know, I think they're going to need Damari Carroll to really really hit a lot of shots. They're going to need Trey Lyles to hit a lot of shots, which he can do. He's shot in the high 30s from three before. Um, But he's not as consistent a shooter as Bertans has been. Um, I also... You know, remember the whole Marcus Morris situation, where he agreed with them, and then, yeah, obviously (laughs) he got more money. Yeah, he got more money from the Knicks, so I don't blame him one bit. Uh, But man, it just this team would be so much better with Marcus Morris, and he's such a Spurs type of player too. He's Mm -hmm. so like just so tough and like gritty and no nonsense on the court. He defends his ass off, um, and he can hold his own offensively. So that's it's a big loss, um, or not loss, but a, a big missed opportunity. Just um, the last thing I want to say about this team, though, is their guard depth is amazing. Uh, now, you got to assume DeJounte Murray will be the starter of point guard. Um, but Derek White, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes is a knockdown shooter. And we haven't talked about Lonnie Walker, their first-round pick last year. Um, you know, he was hurt a lot of last year. He was in the G League for a while. I think this kid could be really, really good. Like he is a nuclear athlete and at, at, at Miami, he showed the ability to generate his own shot uh, pretty efficiently. And I think he's like more of a home run type guy uh, where if he hits, he's really going to hit. But I would not be surprised if he gets some minutes this year and if he earns minutes this year,
0: it's an excellent situation for him to be put in spots to succeed and really build up some confidence and just some good habits. So uh, I hope to see it as well. The guard depth is definitely a big strength for this team to just kind of have Patty Mills in the exact role he's succeeded in his entire career in San Antonio. is perfect uh, to let Derek White continue to blossom and to Murray hopefully do the same. It's really um, an an absolute strength for them and all that without even mentioning. uh, Arguably the best player on the roster, DeMar DeRozan who we know exactly what he brings to the table and what he can do. He's consistent. He's steady. He brings some leadership and also just some excellent, um, scoring ability. So it's a strong roster. It's a good looking team. Um, we know Pop's got the, got the coaching ability and, uh, they'll be good. They'll be a, a tough matchup for any team, uh, night in and night out. And, uh, as you mentioned, they will probably expect a little bit in terms of their uh, wing and forward depth from Damari Carroll, but I, I think he'll bring it because he's always been like a, a spurs kind of guy. He used to play for Spurs East, the Atlanta Hawks, and that's when he played the best basketball of his career. So now he's in the, the, the real thing, and I expect big things out of him. And I, I don't think that's um, asking too much because in Brooklyn, he did have a couple healthy years and um, didn't get too much opportunity, but what he got, he made the most of.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember, I just think, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like, he might be the perfect, uh, well, maybe not because he, he doesn't really give a shit about defense, but offensively, he's like the perfect Greg Popovich player. You know, I remember the way, you know, when he first got traded here, we were speculating on whether he might shoot more threes uh, in San Antonio after he started trending that way in t- Toronto his last couple of years, and no, it went the opposite way, he, he stopped shooting threes altogether, and... I think that's, you know, I, I can imagine him meeting, you know, meeting Pop, uh, you know, when when they start to come together, and you know, Pop saying, "You you hate shooting threes? I hate shooting threes. You know, let's <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's not take any this let's season. Let's
0: stop. Uh,
1: <laughs> 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 you you want to you want to shoot mid-rangeers? You know, that's, uh, uh you know, offensively, not, not only do I think they're a good intellectual fit, but obviously, Pop has been putting, uh, Derozan and position to succeed, and I think, you know, even though he's not the number one, you know, the number one player on a, on a title team, even though, you know, Toronto won the title after trading him for Kawhi Leonard, uh, I still think DeMar is, you know, underrated in some ways. I mean, he is a really, really efficient offensive player, and in the regular season, he can get you to a baseline of competence offensively, uh, you know, just with the way he can create his own shot the way he can make plays for others and the way he gets to the free throw line. So I think, yeah. Um, you know, the more we talk about the Spurs, even with the spacing issues they're going to have, it's just kind of hard for me to not see them at least being decent offensively when you combine just the the talent of him and LaMarcus Aldridge.
0: No, you're you're totally right. They're two all-star caliber players in an admittedly brutal conference, but surrounded by great uh, role players is almost cutting it short for some of these guys because they are great starters, NBA-caliber players, with uh, some of them very bright futures ahead. So it's an exciting team, and um, they certainly don't have the buzz of the championship contenders, and I wouldn't put them in that tier, but they are without question going to play quality basketball, which is more than you can say about a lot of the teams, uh, mostly in the East, but in the NBA. So um, we've got to move on. we got to make sure we, we knock out this division um, and save some time to talk about our thoughts for the playoffs. So the next team is the Mavericks. They were not very good last year, 33-49, and 49, which is actually how every other team in this division wrapped up the season. Um, they maintain Rick Carlisle up top, and I actually wrote down without checking, I just assumed Donnie Nelson was still running the show, and he is. He is, um, yeah. So the whole deal here is just kind of Luka and Porzingis, who comes back after not playing for almost two full years after uh, screwing up his knee. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. also plays an important role. If you had to say that the Mavericks had a big three, that would be it. And that's mostly because after those guys, the roster goes in an absolute free fall, um, (laughs) which is where I have my major concerns for Dallas. So. What do you think about the fact that Dallas has two very talented players, one marginally talented player, and then a bunch of scrubs?
1: See, I I don't know if they are a bunch of scrubs though. Lay it on me. Um, you know, I think I really like the addition of DeLon Wright in the off season. Yeah, okay, he's I pretty think good. he's gonna start for them. Uh, I think the way he can defend his uh, defend ones and twos and threes, um, and you know, give you competent ball handling. Uh, on offense is going to be huge um you know some of their depth bigs i like too i mean i like dwight powell who's made consistent improvements sure. throughout his career i love maxi kleba who is one of those rare guys who can protect the rim and shoot threes and he's got great athleticism for a six foot 11 240 pound guy um and they, they you know they just have contributors uh, dorian finney smith gives them quality two-way plays seth curry can make it rain off the bench. Uh, Jalen Brunson was a good backup point guard as a rookie. Um, you know, Courtney Lee still, yeah, I think still can play at a, at a decent quality level off the bench. Like he did for them last year. Uh, Boban Marjanovic, another quality.
0: Yeah. They got Boban.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty high on this team. Like, as in not just going forward, even though, like, even though this isn't their, their final iteration of what they're going to look like. And, um, they do have some serious holes, you know, especially with wing defense. And if you're starting Tim Hardaway, which they probably will, that's, that's going to be really ugly, uh, for their defense, but I like them a lot, man. Um, I, I think they will, I think they will make a playoff push. Um, and I think most of that is just going to be cut, uh, be because of the talents of their top two guys. I mean, Doncic is an MVP caliber player and Porzingis isn't far behind. I think, in terms of on-court fit, like, you could not ask for a better partner for either of those guys. Uh, and I just think I think they're good enough to take a team to the playoffs pretty much by themselves.
0: Yeah, thank you for, for uh, correcting me on the roster depth because the, the more you talk through it, the more I was kind of reminded, like, yeah, Seth Curry really can space the floor, and DeLon Wright is a totally capable NBA guard. Um and Jalen Brunson played some good minutes for them last year. And, and, and Dwight Powell um, has had a good career thus far at a couple different stops. The the main question for me is the thing you kind of ended on, and I think it's how far this team will go. It's how do you think Luka and Porzingis play together, and how do you think they can help push each other's strengths?
1: Oh, man. I think, like I said, I think they're perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that Porzingis is so good at picking and rolling as, and picking and popping. Uh, and Doncic, Doncic is such a savvy pick-and-roll operator. Uh, I think the fact that Doncic is such a good – trans I mean, they're both fantastic transition players. Um, you know, Doncic is so great at running the break and, and finding guys, and Porzingis can either get out ahead and run for a dunk or he can trail for a three. Um, you know, Porzingis has shown that he can create his own shot. You know he's never been a good passer so far in his career, so that's maybe the one area in which um, in which he'll suffer a little bit. But I think, honestly, I, you know I think it's gonna look pretty similar to the way uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis look together. I think uh, I
0: think they're kind
1: of comparable. I mean, maybe not in terms of talent, because well, in terms of track record, you know, obviously Doncic and Porzingis haven't proven it the way LeBron and AD have, but. I think stylistically, okay. in terms of the way both of those guys play, I think it's going to look really similar, and and I think it's going to be pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, you just you have a seven foot three guy who is an unstoppable shooter, who's a freak athlete, and who's just looked phenomenal in the preseason. I mean, he's looked like he's all the way back. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Do you? Are you that high on it? You seem—I don't know—you seem a little less, a little more skeptical.
0: Uh no, I actually am. Um, I love, love, love Doncic. Going all the way back to when we were pushing for him to be the first overall pick. I mean, I've always held that belief that he was a MVP caliber player, and he proved it last year. And I think after getting that year in the league, although he was fully ready to take on whatever challenge it was for him. It didn't really seem like much of a challenge at all. Just a new situation for him to completely control. Um now he's got that year under his belt. Now he's used to his surroundings. Um and now he's got the best teammate he's ever had. Chris Depps Porzingis, it's got to be the most yeah. talented teammate he's ever played with in his entire life, right? So he'll Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So no that's that's a, <laughs> a fun new aspect for him. A pick and roll partner who can also pick and pop. Um who also defends quite well, who also can make plays quite well, who can not only create for himself in the post, but, you know, like you said, possibly even expand his game and start doing a real two-man game with Luka and finding him and other folks open uh, when he gets doubled because teams are going to respond to Chris that way and it's going to make some really great opportunities for Luka to either score in bunches or find a wide-open guy if Chris Epps finds him and lets him make the plays because he does have that great court vision. So I can't wait to see how those guys play with each other. I also can't wait to see how Rick Carlisle co- coaches them up because uh, he is one of the best coaches in the league, and they are in very capable hands in that way. So... Um, I think it goes very far towards them being in that mix for the eighth seed. I I didn't put them in. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I think they make a good push at it and they're over 40 wins. Um, And I think it spells very good things for their future. Um, Any other notes on the maps?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, just going back to Porzingis, uh, I think if anything, he's been a little underrated defensively because the New York teams he's been on uh, were so bad. Uh, But... Since he came into the league, I mean, he has been one of the best defensive bigs in the NBA, um, and he is just a stifling shot blocker. Um, so I think what he's going to do wonders for their defense. And it's just, you know, coming, I can't imagine a better transition going or a better change of, of scenery going from a place like New York where he played for a cavalcade of incompetent coaches and had to deal with Phil Jackson's peyote-fueled rampage. (laughs) Triangle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see triangles in your future, Chris
1: Dapps. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's going from that to uh, a a really savvy front office and a coach in Rick Carlisle who, like you said, is one of the best in the league and always puts his players in the best position to succeed offensively. Uh, So just the way – I mean, I was – I want to talk about the way he was used in in New York, but he wasn't even really used. I mean, they would just give him the ball and and make him make him do shit, yep. or some far inferior player would would hijack the offense. <laughs> you know, it's yep. just it was such a mess. But now he's going to run in a coherent offense that is going to take advantage of all of his myriad skills and and use him in some really creative ways.
0: It is the ultimate um, change of scenery opportunity and there's no reason to think that it's not going to work exactly the way both of us are starting to envision just a guy with a great, consistent, steady coaching staff and some really talented players around him, mainly Luca, who is probably also the best player Chris Tapps has ever played in his, in his entire, yeah. entire career. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say Luca's is already better <laughs> than Carmelo Anthony. Um, Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, at least
1: the Carmelo Anthony, the version of Carmelo Anthony yeah. that Chris taps played with. Yeah, yeah.
0: That, and really that's, yeah. Um, so it's going to be fun. They're going to be a team to keep an eye on. They're going to be a league pass favorite for sure. And who knows? Maybe those guys mesh even better than certainly I expect. Um, and they do sneak into the playoffs. Um, certainly, they're in, in the mix for that that seven eight spot. That kind of seems like the only wide open spot in the West. So we'll see. Um, all right, we are winding down. We got two more teams. The New Orleans Pelicans come up next. Also, thirty three and forty nine last season. They retain Alvin Gentry. Del Demps was replaced. Uh, I guess there was some guy who was there to finish the season out when Del Demps got fired, but David Griffin took over, right? That didn't happen mid-season, did it? No, it happened in the no. midseason. season um, Yeah. And Griff got extremely lucky, and then yes. he was able to draft Zion Williamson and then traded Anthony Davis for a haul. Um, and so the roster we look at today is, in many ways, it, because of the moves of David Griffin, Um and it's, it's looking pretty good. Obviously, Zion on top. Well, I'm sure the first thing we'll talk about is his knee injury because he had surgery to repair a torn meniscus. He's out six to eight weeks, a, a blow to the Pelicans' playoff hopes. Um, and, of course, with a player of of that uh, caliber, we assume, and the upside we are assuming he will have, they will take it very carefully and cautiously. Um, but still a lot of talent around them from Drew Holiday who was already there and remains and, and will hopefully have another great season to the hall from the uh, Lakers trade, Ingram ball and heart um, to some other pieces as well. Uh, Jackson Hayes, who also went in the draft this year, uh, JJ Reddick, who they signed as a free agent, as well as Derek favors. Um, and Etwan Moore remains a holdover as well. And there's some other pieces as well. I didn't quite get to, but Tommy without Zion, um, what do you expect from this team over the first month with a bunch of guys who haven't played together and without the piece that was supposed to hold them all together?
1: You know, I, I think there's enough talent and depth here to uh, bless you. Uh, I think there's enough talent and depth here to hang around 500, uh, without Zion. Uh, unfortunately, you know, in the East, I would if they were in the East, which you know maybe they should be geographically. Uh They absolutely should. Be. <laughs> I would I would say even with Zion missing 68 weeks, this would be a no question playoff team. I think even without him, this team is still pretty good. And like I said, they I think they can hang around 500, maybe even a little better, but the problem is uh in the Western Conference, that is likely not going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. Uh and I would I had this team as one of my eight Western Conference playoff teams before Zion's injury, and now I just don't think they can do it. You know, it would take a huge, huge breakouts from Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, um, as well as you know maybe a guy like Nikhil Alexander Walker, who they picked later in the first round, who has looked awesome in summer league and preseason. Uh, you know, they would need, uh, Derek favors to ball out, you know, more than he really has. And, and I like Derek favors. I like that addition a lot. I like the, his addition. I like the addition of, of JJ Redick, but, uh, yeah, I just, I don't see them having playoff upside with Zion missing that much time. Um, which is just one of the many reasons why this injury fucking sucks. Um, uh, but more than anything, it sucks for Zion, um, to have this, you know, to open his, his career this way, basically.
0: Yeah, it, it changes the trajectory for the team and, and for Zion. Um, and it certainly puts up some, some red flags when he has a serious injury in college and then starts his NBA career with another serious injury also to the knee. Um, but, you know, it, it two, two coincidences did not a trend make. So um, they'll take all the time to make sure he comes back fully healthy. And in the meantime... All these guys get a chance to see how they play together because, of course, Zion doesn't play all 48 minutes anyway. Um, What I'm excited for in particular is uh, Drew and and Brandon Ingram both having opportunities to be lead scorers in respective lineups they play in because I think they both have that capability um, at least to be facilitating and to have the offense run through them. Same for Lonzo to find where he fits among all the players on this roster, both as your main ball handler, and as a guy playing off the ball, because I think he can do both. I think all three of them can do both, which is going to make it interesting when they're all on the floor together and, respectively, when they all get a chance to kind of take the lead. Um, Ingram had some really strong stretches last year. He was coming into his own. I think he's still on an upward trend. He had that unfortunate uh, blood clot issue, which ended his season and, and was pretty scary, but he's apparently fully healthy now, has a clean bill of health, so... I'm really excited to see what he brings to this Pelicans team. Um, I think that in Zion's absence, the silver lining is Brandon Ingram gets a chance to really uh, make his name and and establish himself as perhaps the third option on this team, whereas you may have assumed it would have been Lonzo, and maybe it still is. But I've always been high on Ingram, so that's just where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I like Ingram a lot too, Um, and he's shown – that he can be a capable ball handler and, uh, you know, occasionally he's shown some good scoring, uh, ability in LA. And I think uh, like the way, again, like this goes back to, we talked about this a lot, uh, when we were doing the Pacific division and talking about Luke Walton as the new coach of Sacramento, but I thought offensively Luke Walton did not do a good job in New Orleans or or in in LA. Mm -hmm. And I think he, Really, kind of did Brandon Ingram a disservice. I don't think he used him very well at all. I think, I think Alvin Gentry is a far, far better coach than Luke Walton. And for Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, I think they're coming into a much better situation. They're coming into a coach who's going to use them a lot, uh, a lot more wisely than Luke Walton did. I, I honestly, um, I can't think of a better coach for Lonzo Ball than Alvin Gentry because Lonzo is at his best when he's running the break, running and, and gunning all Alvin Gentry does. Oh yeah. And you know, even though Lonzo isn't going to be playing with Zion uh, for these first six to eight weeks, I think I, I hope Lonzo gets some minutes alongside JJ Reddick, because I think those two guys in transition could just be absolutely deadly uh, with, you know, JJ just sprinting ahead. to oh, the yeah. three Point line and Lonzo firing dimes. Uh, and to go back to Ingram. Yeah. I'm pretty high on him as you are. And, I, w- I would have imagined that the Pelicans starting lineup before Zion's injury would have been Ingram at the three, Zion at the four, Favors at the five. So now I hope that uh, Ingram gets to start at the four. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe they bring in Etuan Moore to start at the three or something like that. Uh, I think I- I'm really excited to see what Brandon Ingram can do in in this scenario. If, you know, with a lot better talent around him than he had in L.A. with more cohesive talent and just with a a smarter, better coach, Uh, yeah, I I think he could really break out. And, you know, it's interesting, we were talking about extension candidates or players who got extensions at the beginning of this show. Probably the most notable guy who didn't get an extension was Brandon Ingram. And uh, I I wonder how he's feeling about that. He certainly can't be happy, so I bet he's going to be coming in with a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to see this as a prove-it season. This is the season where he could earn himself a max offer sheet. Uh, so I think he's going to be really motivated to do that.
0: I think he's in he's in a solid position to do exactly that um, because all those guys signed the extensions. Because this upcoming free agency class isn't nearly mm-hmm. the 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 size and like star power of this past year's. Um, if he has a good season, somebody out there is going to going to throw it at him and hope that New Orleans, you know, thinks twice. Um so I uh I'm excited for that. You mentioned JJ as well and uh it's a really great fit for him as it also it makes a lot of sense why he he came here. Um between Lonzo and Drew and all the different kind of players who are going to pull defense's attention, there's going to be a lot of open looks for JJ the way that he plays, how um, effective he he is in transition and also coming off screens and finding ways to get himself open. So um, it's a good fit, and um, I hope the guy makes the playoffs for his sake. But I just don't see it happening. Um, we're gonna round to the last team in the division. Any last notes on the Pelicans?
1: No, that's it, man. Uh, I'm I'm even with Zion gone. I'm still excited to watch him play tonight.
0: Yep, me too. Um, and. The last team will be the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, same exact uh, record as I mentioned earlier thirty three and forty nine last year if anyone cares. Uh, new head coach this time we are dealing with Taylor Jenkins, whoever that is. and I don't even I didn't even write down who the the front office was helmed by Ed something no Chris Wallace. Jesus Christ still. Oh my God uh, <laughs> Chris Wallace is yeah. a zombie dude. Uh. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> All right. Um, we're past that. The Grizzlies, another big two, as it were, of potential in Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson. After that, Andre Iguodala, who I don't know if he even—he certainly doesn't want to play there, but I don't know if yeah. he will. Jonas Valanciunas, they, they, they brought back, which whatever, good for them. Then you got Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks are your depth pieces, and this is the place Josh Jackson ended up— and those are all the notes I took on this team besides the fact that Grayson Allen and Bruno Cabolo are also on the roster.
1: <laughs> Grayson's starting fights in Summer League, Allen.
0: Bring it on, baby. Trip him up, dude.
1: <laughs> Man. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's he's so tough. <laughs> <laughs> Spawn of Ted Cruz. <laughs> the love child of Ted Cruz and Joffrey Baratheon <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> poor Grayson Allen man he's just trying to make it in this hard world
1: <laughs> yeah there are a lot of other NBA players trying to make it in this hard world too until they get tripped by Grayson Allen <laughs>
0: yeah and then who knows what happens uh what do you think about uh, John Jaron as some uh, cornerstones for this this rebuild effort
1: I think you could do a lot worse. I think Jaron Jackson, before he got hurt last year, uh, was really, really good. I think for most of the season, he looked like the second, uh, you know, until he got hurt and Trey Young came on uh, at the end of the year, he looked like the second best rookie in the class. I, I think his shooting is real. I think his defense is real. And John Morant. Looks fucking phenomenal in this preseason. I mean, just the, the ball handling and the passes that he's been making. I mean, he already looks like a top 10 passer in the league. Uh, it's it's amazing the the vision that he has displayed. I am really, really excited to see what this guy does. Um, you know, this team is going to be absolutely awful this year, uh, but they can feel... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's was such an
0: excited intro to say that the team going to suck.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, they're going to suck, yeah. but I think they can feel really good about jaw and, and Jaron. Um, and not just those two guys. I mean, I mean, Dylan Brooks has shown that he belongs in the league. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson is there. He's good. Tyus, they signed Tyus Jones for some reason. I mean, I don't know why they did that, but Tyus Jones is good at least. Uh, again, like bringing back Valanchunas, that's not really, you know, th- that move is whatever, but it's. Valentinus is good. He's a good vet. I mean, he's like, he's, I, I think he'll have a net positive impact on that team and on the development of those players. And it allows them to not have to play Jaron Jackson at center all the time. Um, you know, Jay Crowder is a good vet to have around. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with Andre Iguodala. Hopefully when they finally trade him, uh, they can get a decent return. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's reason to be optimistic about the future. Uh, in memphis and i think it pretty much all comes down to uh you know their two young potential stars
0: i agree i also would love for them to suck again this year because the celtics <laughs> get their pick so let's do it um it's not yeah it's I mean, not well don't you want don't you yet. want
1: them to yeah don't you want them to keep getting that pick until it just becomes unprotected i think it's next year
0: um and i think this year it's it's last year it was lottery protected uh, this year, I think it's protected through eight, or maybe last year's protected through eight. Either way, um, one more year and it becomes really good. But one more year, and I'm not sure how bad these guys are going to be because um, you're high See, on I John, like, I am as well. So go Yeah,
1: on. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, when you have, I feel like even uh, if those guys blow up, they might still be more than two years away from really being serious. But I don't know. But, but maybe, I mean, Maybe they're in two years. I'll be good enough to sneak in as the eight seed, and then Boston will end up getting a, a, a shitty, unprotected pick.
0: Well, it's a Sacramento um, situation. I mean, we thought that Sacramento pick was a gold mine, and next thing you know, that turned into yeah. the 14th pick. And yeah. uh, I mean, we did just fine. It, it seems like uh, Grant Williams is or Ram, Romeo Langford um, yeah. is going to be a fine pro, but certainly not the asset that a top 10 pick or perhaps a top five pick that it seemed like that Sacramento pick would be. Um, would have been to just talk around (laughs) myself um
1: (laughs) yeah no you're absolutely right they could they could end up being way ahead of schedule um
0: yeah that's what made that's what makes a team like this exciting when there's that much raw talent and and you want to see how they fit together um so you know they have to go through the grinder of the western conference and they're going to take some lumps they're going to lose a lot but we'll see if they can learn from it and how fast jock ja can get the boys in shape i really feel like this is his show already you know he seems like the yeah. kind of guy who's willing to take on that challenge and like you said the speed of the game certainly hasn't exposed any weaknesses on his end and um it's not like there's this team is devoid of talent it's not like this is a cleveland cavaliers situation i mean there's options on this team it's not a playoff yeah. contender but I don't think it's we're we're looking at a sub twenty win team. I mean, they'll definitely no, de- pull yeah. together some wins, and um, I'm excited to see how some of these guys develop and play together over the course of the year. But beyond that, I mean, I don't I don't think there's much more time to spend on the team unless there's anything else you're interested in.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they could do like they could do worse than um, buying low on Josh Jackson too. Dude, I mean, there's totally. a reason he was he was the fourth overall pick. I was excited uh, to see has. him land here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he still has a lot of talent and with Jaw, you know, I think the best argument for uh, you know, for for with the situation you posited and then then them becoming good ahead of schedule the way the, the Kings did, I think Jaw is probably the best argument for that. You know, this year he'll probably be pretty inefficient, he'll probably turn the ball over a lot yeah, because long point long. guards do that yeah. and that's that's fine. Um but he's already shown that he can make the players around him better and for a guy that young to show that out of the gate. Um, makes me think he could be really special and do that sooner rather than later.
0: Uh, I, I I hope we're both right just for the sake of the NBA because he's a really entertaining player and he was really fun to watch in that NCAA tournament and the, the couple times I caught glimpses of him throughout the season. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, he's the reason uh, that I picked Murray State to go to the Final Four and uh, that, else, that everyone else on that team was the reason why that <laughs> pick ended up yeah. not working out. Couldn't drag him so. quite
0: that far. All uh, right. Ever since Jimmer couldn't win with BYU, I learned to, uh, to stop thinking one player could win a tournament. <laughs> Although I guess Kemba and Shabazz, you know.
1: Yeah. Unless, yeah, one player can't do it unless they go to UConn.
0: <laughs> then who knows. <laughs> and are a
1: tiny point guard. <laughs> yeah.
0: and <there's> <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast by both giving our predictions for the playoffs in each conference, and the final four. Um, so I guess we'll both do the West, and then we'll both do the East, and then we'll both go our final four. Does that sound okay to you, Tommy?
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Do
0: you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll, I can go. Give me your West. Give me your West 1 through 8. All
1: right, so number one in the West, I have the Utah Jazz.
0: Me too. Uh,
1: I Yeah, I think – uh, between their, I, I just think they're so damn talented, uh, and they, they're they going to have such a beautiful system under Quinn Snyder mm-hmm. that they're going to cruise. Uh, I've got Denver, number two. Me too. Um, <laughs> and I think those two, it that was really hard for me too. I kept flip-flopping between Utah and Denver. I, I almost wrote Denver as the one seed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, I've got the Lakers. Uh, just <laughs> despite the depth issues, I think LeBron and AD are just that good. I've yeah. got the Clippers in four. Okay uh five i've got houston yep uh i've got san antonio in at number six okay uh number seven i have the dallas mavericks i was gonna guess mavericks (laughs) i think they're gonna be really really i think they're gonna make it man and then coming in at number eight i have the golden state warriors
0: okay um (laughs) very interesting (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was really entertaining. I mean, I don't think the people listening got that much entertainment value out of it, but for me looking at my list and seeing where we like it was it was it was fascinating. Um like I said, it kept interrupting you, I also had Utah Denver one, two, three, the reason I got so excited when you said Lakers is because I originally wrote the Lakers and then crossed it out and wrote Clippers. So um ultimately what won the day for me was that the Clippers have such better solid depth. The Lakers are relying so much more on their top two, whereas the Clippers, obviously PG is going to miss a lot of time, but I don't think it's as big a deal because they have legit depth behind them in a way that the Lakers just don't. They're relying on Dwight. They're relying on Ronda. They're relying on, you know, uh, a- Avery Bradley. Um, right. Yeah. Lakers, I know. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. That's uh that's a totally solid argument. That argument is why I picked the Clippers over Houston for yeah. number for number four. Well, so yeah, I totally understand that.
0: For number four, I, I did pick the Rockets. Um, I okay. sent the Lakers all the way down to number five, penalizing them. Wow, so no them for home death. court. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know. I just I, I felt better about Harden and and Russ and the Rockets system than I did about the Lakers, and and immediately regretted it, but it stuck to my guns. Um, so we'll see. Sixth, I had the Warriors. Um, I, f- I feel pretty good about the Steph D'Lo backcourt actually t- causing a lot more damage than people are, are prepared for them to. Um, seventh, just to fuck with you, I put the trailblazers, <laughs> <laughs> the white <side> renaissance. <laughs> it's coming. I literally was making the, before I wrote a single team down, I was like, I got to put the trailblazers in. So I made him seventh. Um, and then, as I told you earlier, I made the Spurs eighth. But I do think that the, the Blazers are going you know, to surprise everybody. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it, but we'll see. Um, that's all I got on the West. Um, do you want to also do the East first, or do you want to flip-flop and I'll do the East first?
1: Uh, you No. Why don't, why don't you go ahead?
0: Okay. Um, the East is a lot easier, I <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Um, I put Philadelphia first and then Milwaukee okay. second because I think Philly's a little deeper and has fewer questions. Third, I put Boston, because obviously. Fourth, I put Miami. Um, I think Butler's really going to take them to the next level. Um, But, I mean, obviously, if they don't start well and they make a trade that doesn't bring back Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul, then they could be in trouble. But I think they'll either start well and continue or they'll bring one of those guys in. Fifth, I put Toronto. Sixth, Orlando. Seventh, Brooklyn. Eighth was surprisingly hard. But I ultimately went with Indiana, and I could see them being higher, and I wouldn't be surprised if you had them higher. So lay it on me, your Eastern Conference.
1: So I have Milwaukee first. Mm-hmm. I think just their cohesion and continuity and system will kind of propel them to that number one seed, or Philly, who's integrating a lot of new guys. Uh, so I have Philly second. I have Toronto third. Whoa. I think... Uh, I think they're still going to be really good. Uh, I don't think they're going to blow it up in season. And I think, you know, obviously Kawhi and Danny green are huge losses, but, uh, you know, they've, they, they extended Pascal Siakam and he is, I think he's going to take a big step forward. I, I don't see any of their other guys taking a step back either. I mean, Kyle Lowry, Serge Baca, uh, Marcus all, all have games that age pretty well. Um, so I, I'm pretty high on them still. I've got Miami fourth for all the same reasons that, that you did. Jimmy Butler is going to kick ass. And fifth, I have Brooklyn. Uh, hmm. I really like their talent and their depth. Um, I think that between Kyrie and uh, Jarrett Allen, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, that's just a lot of quality. And I trust Kenny Atkinson to get the most out of it. I have Boston sixth. Um this was this felt weirdly low to me, but then I remember that they're going to be that their center rotation is going to be Enos Cantor and Daniel Tice and Grant Williams and dude, Time Lord and time and the Time Lord. <laughs> if he even shows up to the game, we've stolen into the arena at 10 p.m. His his, his, his tardiness issues are past him. Okay, <laughs> she's like, sorry guys, I thought I thought it was uh, <laughs> that was 8 p.m. It was on Western, Western time, time, Pacific Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, go on, go
1: on. Uh, in seventh, I have Orlando. Okay. Uh, and I have Indiana in eighth. Oh, same okay. same place you did. And yeah. I, also, like you, I could see them rising if Oladipo plays at an All-NBA it's level when he gets thing, back. Yeah. But uh, I don't expect that, and I don't expect him to, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't even know when he's going to be back. Exactly. So it's really hard to, to place him. Um, so it came down to Indiana and Detroit for that last spot, and... I trust the rest of Indiana over, you know, the rest of Detroit other than Blake Griffin. I, so that's that's why I went with that.
0: Same place for me, Detroit. I wanted to put them in um, because Blake yeah. and Andre, you know, it's it's some top-tier talent in the East. But, yeah, the, the whole roster just didn't do it for me in the way that Indiana's does. So...
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, if Ola Depot is out until January and then it takes a while for him to return to form. Then and that's
0: Detroit's Blake, spot to lose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and if Blake Griffin has the you know the type of season he did last year where he stays healthy mm-hmm. for the whole for most of the season, uh you know, then then I think Detroit gets that spot. But if Blake, as he has done in the past, if he, you know, has some freak injury and, you know, punches someone in the face or gets a staph <laughs> infection and misses a ton of time uh then i think there's absolutely no way that everyone else on detroit could uh you know overtake everyone on indiana minus hola depot
0: well I, I actually saw before uh the podcast started that blake actually didn't travel with the pistons for the first game because he's already, damn he's it. already got some, some <laughs> uh soreness in his Fuck. knee and hamstring I swear to god um
1: <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, well no
0: i think so i think sucked. we both made the right call in indiana but it does yeah. suck for him No, he, just, he yeah better. it just
1: it sucks i, I love blake griffin yeah. and yeah, fun that's, to watch. that's a bummer. All right, yeah. to
0: wrap up, um, we're both going super far into the future in things that will probably be wrong, but we're picking Final Fours. And if we want to go further than that, I don't see why not. But give me your Final Four.
1: All right, so my Final Four. In the East, I have Philly over Milwaukee. Uh, I think even though Milwaukee will win games in the regular season, uh, win more games in the regular season, uh, yeah, hopefully they win more you know, games, yeah. plural, in the regular of season. Course. Uh I I think Philly is just more talented and I think they're going to be one of the best, literally one of the best defensive teams of all time. And uh, yeah, I just, I I think by the time it gets into a playoff series, when Milwaukee can't lean back on its system to sleepwalk to 60 wins, I think Philly is going to, is going to come out on top. And in the West, all right. So in the West, I have the Lakers over, the Warriors whoa
0: lay it on me dude let's hear it
1: (laughs) all right so even if even if Clay Thompson doesn't come back yeah look (laughs) Kyrie Stephen Curry and Draymond Green are so great and this D'Angelo Russell acquisition has just really flown under the radar um so I just feel like it will be a struggle for Golden State to get into the playoffs but if they do if they sneak in as a 7 and 8 or you know and if they have to play a Utah or a Denver in the first round that's just as much as i love utah and denver i don't that's not a series i see golden state losing when you factor in you know the increased court time that steph curry and draymond green would get in the playoffs the experience they have the talent and the cohesion that they have um and yeah i can i really think that if this team sneaks in which is an if because because of how deep the West is, uh, I think they're going to make a run all the way. I just have too much faith in Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and they they get the benefit of the doubt from me. And you know what? If Clay does come back, like this team could st- could still win the title if they have Clay Thompson. I don't think they could do it if if he's out for the entire year, as it seems will be the case. But you know, if for for whatever reason he comes back, this. Is very much a team that could win it all.
0: Totally, um, and even that there were some quotes from Kerr today saying that Clay's most likely out for the season. But uh, also, both he and Bob Myers have left it open to if Clay comes back and his rehab goes perfectly. Like who knows? Um, so yeah. I totally understand that argument. I could totally see it happening. I was talking to somebody at the at work today, actually, who was like, "I think the Warriors probably go pretty far again." And At first, I laughed and I was like, What are you talking about? And he was like, Well, you know, Steph and Draymond and they got D'Angelo. And I was like, Yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, he's like, right. That's a, that's a really it's fucking a really good, good top team. three. And, yeah. and if their Clay depth packed, sucks, yeah.
1: their depth sucks, but that doesn't really matter in the playoffs, if you're that good. you know. Yeah. And and yeah, I guess just I, I should, we should probably talk about LA who I picked to beat them, yeah, <laughs> in the finals, but yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers have potentially the best duo in NBA history. Yeah. And that's, and the talent around them, it's not great, but it fits and it's cohesive. And I just think, uh, I, I think right now I will pick them to win the title because Whoa. I think they're just, okay. LeBron and AD are just that good. And, you know, Danny green is really good. Uh, Contavious Caldwell, Pope Bradley, you know, JaVale McGee, these guys, you know, even Dwight Howard, they're they're not they're not scrubs the way no. the Lakers had scrubs last year. It's true, and and the fit is much better. But it all comes down to LeBron and AD, and they're two of the five best players in the league, and they're just going to be absolutely devastating. And I think they are going to bring it home.
0: A solid, compelling argument um, has me questioning my core beliefs about life itself. <laughs> To, to blow through mine real quick, I also had Philly-Milwaukee with Philly coming out for for basically the same reasons you did. Incredibly talented, very good defensively, has more options when it comes down to it than Milwaukee. Over in the West, I was completely different. I had Utah facing off with the Clippers, and I had the okay. Clippers advancing. So for much the same reason I had Utah as the one seed, I have them getting all the way to the conference finals because— uh, for me they would end up matching up with the Spurs and then the Rockets and I think they could dispatch both of those teams just because they'll be great defensively yeah. and also have plenty of firepower offensively. Uh, ultimately I have the Clippers going all the way and winning the championship so I picked the other LA team because um, kind of like you have such belief in LeBron and AD and I'm I totally see where you're coming from and it actually uh, makes me kind of worried about my pick but I think PG and Kawhi is just such a devastating combo at the wing position and the way LA is built with the options on either side of them, guard and uh, front court. I mean, front court could be an issue potentially, but I really like Montrez and some small ball lineups and Zubach, whatever. It's more a Montrez thing. Um, I think they're going to be really hard to, to play with when they really shorten the rotation, when it's, when it's those two guys, Montrez, Beverly, Lou Will. Um I think that's a really competitive uh lineup that that it'd be hard to find a team to beat that. So uh I went Clippers. I I think that uh boardman gets paid. So
1: yeah. yeah. No, boardman does get paid. Yeah, that's totally Yeah, I I could totally see that. I mean that that's the awesome thing about this season. One of the many reasons why I'm so excited is you know Clippers Jazz Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, Rockets—you know all all these potential combos are you know for are in play in the Western it's Conference, so which we just haven't seen for so long. I mean, even even back before the Warriors had total hegemony, you knew that was going to be the Spurs and the Thunder yep. in the conference finals every year. Absolutely. Uh, so there is so much uncertainty and unpredictability that just makes this really exciting. But yeah, everything everything you said is legit. I mean. Uh, PG and Kawhi can just be overwhelming on both ends of the court. And they have absolutely the deepest roster in the league uh, fit around them. And the fact that if one of those guys is having an off night, the other one can carry them. Or if both of them are having an off night, Lou Will can carry them. You know, the fact that Lou Williams might not even close some games for them. is crazy, but it's a possibility when you just look at the talent and the depth that they have. So yeah, I think that's totally legitimate. And if the Clippers won the title, it would not surprise me one bit. I mean, if the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Rockets won the title, it might surprise me a little bit, but you know, not that much.
0: Or the Warriors. Or or the,
1: or the Warriors. I'd, yeah,
0: I'd be pretty surprised if the Spurs won, but I mean, I just Never said know. it because it could <laughs> happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is—I mean, this is the most wide-open Western Conference we've had a long time and and what's awesome about it is it's not wide open because everybody sucks it's wide open because there are legitimate there are legitimately six teams that could win the title
0: seriously it's incredible it's uh it's really exciting and uh on that note we will cede the floor to the regular season the 2019 2020 nba season will be underway by the time anybody's listening to this and uh we couldn't be more excited. We'll be back very soon to recap uh, what happens in the first week or so, first couple weeks. And uh, we'll be here throughout the season keeping, uh, I don't know, keeping keeping on, keeping on. I don't know what to say. I was going to say keeping people up to date, but they'll be up to date anyway. But we'll, we'll continue to uh, provide <laughs> what we think. And uh, we're uh, looking forward to a great season. So, Tommy, any last notes?
1: No, man. Let's just play ball.
0: Let's play ball. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Association NBA Podcast. We will be back very soon with reactions from live, real, meaningful, regular season NBA basketball. We could not be more excited about it. But uh, for now, we bid you a farewell.